0: every team, every topic, everywhere this is believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. April is here and that means it's time for basketball playoffs. You can use our promo code believe50, B L E A V 50 to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. With the link in the description to this episode, then you can use that 50% welcome bonus at Bet Online Sportsbook to place a plus six thousand bet on my Sacramento Kings to light the beam and win the NBA championship. Bet Online, where the game starts. <laughs> of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody. It's a fantabulous Monday, April 3rd according to my count. It may not be that according to your count. But we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is you may be listening. We've got a fantabulous show coming at you today. We are going to be talking about the women's final four. It was wild. It was craziness all across the board. Three interesting games with three interesting storylines and... If you want to hear me go crazy about my hometown San Diego team going to the Final Four and them being the largest underdogs in twenty-five years for a championship game tonight against Yukon, check that out yesterday. We ain't doing pregame, we're doing postgame. So Tuesday's podcast, win or lose, gonna be a reaction to the national championship game. That's why today is a reaction to the women's championship game between Iowa and and LSU. And since this is an all encompassing podcast, uh, since basically Friday, I mean, yesterday I hopped on the mic for 20 minutes to celebrate San Diego and my hometown making it to a championship game. But ultimately, it's been basically a weekend since we got here. And Friday was super interesting in terms of the Final Four games. And I want to touch on that first because I recorded some stuff over the weekend talking about those games, knowing that everything would get swallowed up with the championship game in the women's Final Four. But there were some really interesting storylines that came out of LSU playing Virginia Tech in the first game and then Iowa playing South Carolina. And the first thing I want to talk about with Iowa and South Carolina is this. I wanted South Carolina to win on Friday in the Iowa-South Carolina semifinal because for those who didn't watch, Iowa was playing South Carolina and all the stakes and storylines were there. This is National Player of the Year, the last two seasons. 2022, Aaliyah Boston playing for South Carolina. 2023, Caitlin Clark playing for Iowa. The two best players in college basketball playing in a Final Four. With South Carolina trying to be an undefeated national champion, they were 36-0 and in the regular season, and South Carolina's the defending national champion, Iowa won the game playing almost perfect. Iowa was, I believe, 16 of 16 from the free throw line. They shot over 30% from the three-point line. In fairness, South Carolina was 4-for-22 from the three-point line, so that certainly helped the cause for Iowa defensively. Caitlin Clark had 41 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds. Iowa's going to the national championship. South Carolina lost a basketball game for the first time since March 6th of 2022. It's only their third loss in the last... 770 calendar days and South Carolina was so close to winning the championship it was an incredible run that they went on. Don Staley talked about it afterwards that there's not going to be a team quite like this because uh, Aaliyah Boston is going to be the number one pick in the WNBA draft. Beal who's their second best player is going to be a top eight pick in the WNBA draft. So you're talking about a team that she talked about there will never be one quite like it again, even though they didn't repeat, even though they didn't get the perfect season, even though they had the merits to pull off a perfect season. It wasn't in the cards. And Dawn Staley talked about how unique it was for them to be a, a, a all-black starting five and for her to be a black woman in a position of power. And we've talked about this over the last two weeks about how Don Staley – is someone who's going to be vocal about trying to build a future for black girls and black people in sport that doesn't currently exist. And how Don Staley has had to fight to get to the top of the profession in a way that other people with levels of privilege in two ways, because this is a double jeopardy situation of sexism and racism within coaching fields and more specifically within women's coaching fields, Don Staley wanted to be a person talking about this at the end and brought up, like, you know, be. she said basically at the end, be careful how you talk about my players and my team in public. And it was a very impassioned quote at the end talking about it. And the South Carolina team had been so unique and so interesting. And we talked about the South Carolina dynasty a couple weeks ago. So if you want the full breakdown of that, check out that podcast. It's available now. And it was so interesting to see... Iowa, which by the way had an all-white starting five, which clearly plays in if you've if you know the story of men's college basketball and Mike Shashevsky in the 80s and 90s being the the image of white uh, of the the good white program against the bad black programs like Georgetown and how race trafficking was used to sell men's college basketball. If you know that story, women's college basketball is like 40 or 50 years behind. The uh, is 40 or 50 years behind the men's game in terms of women's sports were illegal for 50 years at the beginning of organized sports. And so, as the sport grows, and you're seeing um, this, this is probably going to be the highest rated final four and championship game in women's history. They went from putting the final four on Sunday to moving it to Friday. Instead of playing the championship game on a Tuesday, they now play it on a Sunday afternoon. This is going to be women's college basketball in the Final Four has seen uh, increases in viewership of 40 to 50% over the last five seasons. Meanwhile, men's has seen a decline of 40% over the past five seasons, but Monty Jones brought that up on his show, Game Theory. And as you're seeing this increase of visibility among women's sports, you have... The possibility of race trafficking, which is something that Don Staley brought up and was well aware of, talking about the women's final four and how all of this has played out. And so, transitioning a little bit from race baiting, so Iowa, which has an all white starting five and a white woman as their head coach, and South Carolina, all black starting five, black woman as their head coach, impossible to ignore the racial aspects and how monumental that basketball game was when you turn on. ESPN and you see Max Kellerman talking about how this is the biggest college basketball game of the season and the things that people complain about with the men's college basketball tournament, which is all the players are generic. It's just watching laundry. They just throw up three pointers and miss them all. But like all those complaints that people have had about the men's final four, which... I find hilarious from a San Diego standpoint of like, as soon as San Diego makes it to the Final Four, all of a sudden men's basketball is ruined and boring, and we should just shit on the teams that are in the Final Four. You're seeing the void filled in content with the women's Final Four, and like I said, there's going to be record-setting numbers for the women's Final Four, and the game before LSU and Virginia Tech, I mean, it was kind of back and forth in runs, but LSU basically had control the entire game, and LSU in a way has become a beloved team, and people are kind of ignoring the Kim Mulkey is a terrible person, and again, we talked about this last week, I feel pretty confident saying Kim Mulkey is a bad person. If you want all the reasons why, check out Wired Up 138. So that game got some intrigue, and I was hoping South Carolina would beat Iowa, and get to that championship game and complete the perfect season for the story and so it would amplify the message that Don Staley's talking about as someone who didn't really have a rooting interest. And when Caitlin Clark balled out, the way that Caitlin Clark did and we made it to the championship and we got that moment where she hit six free throws in the final 80 seconds of the game to seal the deal against South Carolina, and then talk shit with the John Cena wave, the jumping up on the table and untucking her jersey. I mean, it was so cool to watch and for Iowa to make it. I'm so rooting for them to beat Kim Mulkey. That I can say for sure. I, I wanted South Carolina to pull that game out. I wanted to see Aaliyah Boston and them go back-to-back. Back. And at the same time, the game was thoroughly entertaining. Caitlin Clark going right is one of the most devastating moves in all of basketball right now. Because I just the whole way I was like, damn, South Carolina, just stop her from going right. And then she went right and got whatever she wanted at the basket because nobody could bring her down. And she got to the free throw line and made every free throw she took. She scored or assisted on 71% of Iowa's points, which was a Final Four record. They talked about how in a five game stretch, Caitlin Clark. Has scored 150 points and assisted on, I think it was like 50 baskets. And it's the five game stretches with those statistics have only happened six times in women's college basketball history. And all six of them are Caitlin Clark. And she's only a sophomore. And for those who don't know, the WNBA rules say you have to be a junior in college. To go to the WNBA, and by the way, since the WNBA doesn't pay gigantic salaries, there's not an incentive for players to leave early the way there is in the NBA, where like, even if you're going to be a second-round pick in the NBA, it's sometimes better to just go into the draft and get your paycheck and start your professional career. Not the case in the WNBA, because the WNBA finds themselves in a place where... You can make more money from this weird booster system of college basketball, even pre-NIL. You could make more money from this weird booster system than you would make in the the WNBA. And women's college basketball gets more exposure and television ratings and coverage than the NBA does. Or sorry, than, than women's college basketball does better than the WNBA does. And so... Kaitlyn Clark might be at Iowa two more seasons, and from what I understand, Paige Buchers is going to be back next year from a torn ACL at UConn, and South Carolina is going to lose two top prospects and still has two future WNBA players on their roster, so it's going to be interesting to have storylines and stars again around the WNBA, this time with a wider reaching audience than it was in the 2000s when it was the UConn and Tennessee battles, and then the UConn-Tennessee just became UConn dominating with Maya Moore, and then Breonna Stewart, and them going on that run where they were the program in women's college basketball. Like, you've got legitimate stars in the sport that are going to stick around, and if Caitlin Clark wins the championship this year and comes back, she's going to be the new Aliyah Boston and like Don Staley talked about, watching the discrepancies between how Caitlin Clark is going to be covered after being player of the year and winning a championship, and how Aliyah Boston was covered last year, and how the women's college basketball subtly feels like if we're having this national exposure, we have to, quote unquote, put our best foot forward. And by, quote unquote, putting our best foot forward, that means. Not giving South Carolina the platform that such success would deserve because South Carolina, I mean, again, I'm trying to avoid doing the race trafficking stuff, but South Carolina is a black starting five with a black he- woman as their head coach who's very vocal about being a black woman in a position of power and the double jeopardy that exists not just around women in sports, but more specifically, black women in sports. And so, with Iowa, Yukon, South Carolina, there's some really interesting storylines going forward. And unfortunately, there's also LSU because LSU has now gotten into the big time women's college basketball game. They paid for a Hall of Fame mercenary coach. And for all of the problems with Kim Mulkey, Kim Mulkey can coach. It's like Rick Patino. Rick Pitino can coach incredibly morally compromised, feel comfortable saying, probably a bad person. Damn good coach. And so Kim Mulkey's going to keep getting jobs, and Rick Pitino's going to keep getting jobs. And Kim Mulkey finds herself in a position where she's now taken Baylor and LSU to championship games. And I hope to God she loses. I hope Iowa whoops up on LSU. And those LSU players seem incredibly kind. The player who, the really tall player, I really am bad with the names because I'm just learning them all at once. There's one player for LSU who's become an incredible fan favorite over this Final Four, and she was with Mulkey during the post-game press conference with Holly Rowe on the floor. She's incredibly likable and has become a star of this tournament, even though I believe she's the second best player on LSU. And just walking through that and seeing LSU play the way they have, it's been so interesting to watch. They're back in the championship, and if it weren't for godforsaken Kim Mulkey... And LSU just being an incredibly dirty program in general, and that's not, again, I feel very comfortable saying when you've been sued in the last four years for half a billion dollars for not handling sexual assault properly, and when Ed Orgeron goes from champion mercenary coach to being out of there for being an absolute oaf in about a year and a half feel pretty comfortable saying LSU is a dirty mercenary program, and if you're listening to this Morgan from Australia, I've said it to your face and I will say it again. I hope LSU loses on Sunday, and I hope that Kim Mulkey is no longer your coach. I hope they get Kim Mulkey with something that will get her out of that position that she's in. The incredibly morally compromised LSU is still the team that I'm going to root against in the championship, and hope... That Caitlin Clark, the absolute stud of the women's final four, will come through and knock out LSU. And to the point before that, when you have Paige Bucher's coming back at uh, at UConn, who has her own deal with Gatorade and Nike, I believe it's Nike. Uh, when you have Paige Bucher's coming back for one more season at UConn, when you have Caitlin Clark playing one or two more seasons for a defending champion Iowa team, when you have the situation with South Carolina. Now, again, their entire team was in an Under Armour commercial with Steph Curry, which I thought was incredibly interesting. And yes, they're going to lose Beal. And yes, they're going to lose Boston. They have what I can only presume to be, and I'm not fancying myself a super expert in women's college basketball. They have what I presume to be the machine like a Georgia in college football where they go from Asia Wilson to Aaliyah Boston and Beal, and now they find themselves in a position where they're going to get five... They can get five stars and players who are generational prospects to come to South Carolina. And I assume South Carolina is investing the resources as a program to make that team viable for years and years. They've won two championships with two completely different rosters, and they were on the verge of winning a third this year. It's really interesting to watch that play out, and South Carolina being in the mix, Iowa being in the mix, Virginia Tech, who played in the the first Final Four game and lost to LSU, they were a number one seed, and this was their first Final Four ever, and their coach might not be at Virginia Tech into the future. Maybe they're putting in the financials to keep them around, and whatever the case may be, but Virginia Tech appears to be a rising power in women's college basketball. The, The Teams on the periphery, like Tara Vanderveer at Stanford, who I believe she's retired now, when you talk about Muffet McGraw at Notre Dame and her being retired now, and that program kind of being, I think they made the uh, Elite Eight this year, but that program kind of being in flux over there at Notre Dame. When you talk about what happened at Miami this year, where they got to be the mercenaries throwing around big dollars in women's college basketball because... Women's college basketball doesn't get the same kind of NIL dollars except for the two or three stars, and even they only make as much as the top-end male players instead of potentially exceeding the top-end male players because Caitlin Clark and Aaliyah Boston right now are probably more famous than anyone still remaining in the Final Four, or other than Drew Timmy, probably in all of college basketball this season. And so Caitlin Clark, Aaliyah Boston, Paige Bucher's coming back for UConn and being a star before she tore her ACL. It's going to be really interesting to watch all of them come back and then have your Virginia Techs mixed in. Your godforsaken Kim Mulkey and the coaches who have personality because women's college basketball, in college sports period, the coaches have personality because the players rotate ever so often. And you've got Morally compromised Kim Mulkey, and you've got Dawn Staley's South Carolina dynasty, and you potentially have a defending champion in Iowa with what I can only presume to be the greatest all-around basketball player in 10 to 15 years in women's college basketball granted Brianna Stewart won a championship in all four years that she was at UConn and granted I believe she won three college player of the year awards I I can only presume that Caitlin Clark is the next Sabrina Ionescu the next Kelsey Plum the next Brianna Stewart and quite possibly the next Maya Moore and when I say the next Maya Moore let me just explain Maya Moore is ridiculous that the Time Maya Moore played at UConn, going to the Minnesota Lynx and immediately turning them into a champion. Like Maya Moore might be the greatest WNBA talent of all time and retired early out of work. If there's a 30 for 30 that's been made about it, she worked to overturn a wrongful conviction in Oklahoma for a man who they ended up getting engaged after he was released from prison because the wrongful conviction was eventually overturned after I believe four or five years of work. There's a great story that she's done interviews on this before and they've done a 30 for 30 it's a really interesting story because she is quite possibly the greatest women's college basketball player of all time. And so it's interesting to see. Caitlin Clark stole the show against a dynastic South Carolina team, and usually those are the performances that make legends, particularly make white legends. And in this case, again, I was rooting for South Carolina, and now when it comes to race trafficking in women's college basketball and the popularity of the sport, combined with everything that happened with South Carolina over the past two or three seasons and Dawn Staley being a pioneer in her industry and a hero who wants to pay it forward as a minority who has made it through the muck and is getting the national television commercials and is one of the most recognizable faces in the sport, right up there with Gino Ariema and morally compromised Kim Mulkey. I mean, Gino Ariema's been good about the wanting to expand women's basketball. But for as a white man, there's only so much that Gino Ariema can do in terms of being someone who has lived through a, a white man living in Connecticut as well. Being a white man living in Connecticut, there's only so much Gino Ariema has perspective on. And so... For Don Staley to be that person who's bringing attention to these causes and having people like Gino Ariema talk about black women being empowered within women's college basketball, having people in the majority talk about the minority viewpoints, Don Staley bringing light to that conversation is doing incredible work. And so Don Staley being one of the faces of the sport as a coach, morally compromised Kim Mulkey coming into the game and Gino Ariema and everything that's about to pop off, I say in air quotes, everything that's about to pop off with women's college basketball over the next couple seasons. I mean, Caitlin Clark had a star-making moment. And with that star-making moment, I was hoping South Carolina would get to be the dynasty, get to be the dynasty in that sport that goes against the grain. And Iowa won, Caitlin Clark balled out. And now we need Caitlin Clark to beat up on morally compromised Kim Mulkey. That's the thing most important at the end of this whole thing now is that now we need morally compromised Kim Mulkey to not be the person ending up at the championship moment. And again, I've said it earlier, if you want to know what morally compromised Kim Mulkey means, check out Wired Up episode 138 that we are, yeah, 138 that we did last week talking about the women's final four. <coughs> So then we got to the championship game and LSU won. Kim freaking Mulkey won a championship with a likable team. Angel Reese was awesome. Jasmine Carson was just hitting three pointer after three pointer. There was a great stat that they throwed up. Jasmine Carson had, I believe, 10 points in the last three rounds or made something, I think, in the first five rounds of the tournament, made something like two three-pointers, and she went five for five in the first half against Iowa from three-point range. For those who don't know, Jasmine Carson is the person with the awesome uh, dyed hair that's uh not, it's poofy, I don't know exactly what the hairstyle's called, but the poofy blonde hair that's d- clearly dyed a different color than the roots. Jasmine Carson was ballin' for LSU. They won the championship. They seemed really likable. They were talking shit all the way through and through. They had they had a, f- a starting lineup that was all black, similar to South Carolina. I wanted to root for LSU in a way, but I just, Kim Mulkey, man. I just hate that Kim Mulkey won a freaking championship. And for those who don't, we've talked about it before last week, mentioned it earlier. If you want the full breakdown of it, check out Wired Up. 138 that we did last week. Kim Mulkey, not a good person. Kim Mulkey berate like wanted to berate people who were bringing questions forward about the sexual assault scandal at Baylor University, COVID denying homophobic Kim Mulkey who then goes to the mercenary LSU program cuz that's the other thing. I hate that LSU is now the one who also gets to win the championship at the end of this. Like, that school that has a Title IX lawsuit and multiple lawsuits filed somewhere between 50 and $400 million in compensation— When that school has had those lawsuits filed against it, and the USA Today has done dozens of reports talking about the women whose lives have been affected by LSU, at times ignoring sexual assault and potentially committing crimes that violate Title IX laws. That program winning a championship in anything sucks. Them winning at the end of this awesome women's college basketball season that is confirmed to go down as the highest rated Women's College Basketball Final Four of all time. ESPN reported that it broke records for any women's Final Four broadcast that they've had. They haven't released the championship game data. I assume ABC got 6 to 7 million viewers, which is kind of equivalent of NBA Finals numbers in a post-pandemic world, which is kind of crazy to say that in a post-pandemic world, women's college basketball was putting up the same numbers as the NBA in the final rounds. I just hate that LSU had to win at the end of all of this. I hate that Kim, Mul- that homophobic, bad person Kim Mulkey turning a blind eye to sexual assault scandals at Baylor left and right and then taking the mercenary money to go to LSU. I just hate that Kim Mulkey's the one who has to hold up the trophy at the end, even though the team was just banging home three-pointer after three-pointer after three-pointer. Like, they were awesome against Iowa. I know everyone's kind of complained about the referees. You've heard me say it before. You'll never hear Kyle Ledbetter complaining about a referee. Not since the Rams-Saints-NFC Championship game have I ever complained about a referee. And I'm sure we can do data to point out the fact that a lot of people were tuning into women's college basketball for either the first, second, or third year. A lot of their rating increases, which according to Beaumont Jones, since five years ago, and remember there's a year that the tournament was canceled in 2020. So we could basically say since the year before the pandemic, women's college basketball has seen 50% increases in ratings. If you factor in this year's, that number's probably even higher. So if a bulk of women's college basketball fans who are vocal about watching women's college basketball are new to the sport within the first three, four, five years, there's a pretty good chance that this is one of the first few games that they've been watching in the tournament this weekend. And the complaining about the referees is probably, to some degree, more vocal. I saw people saying this is a, a crime, that this is the worst officiated game of all time. Remember that the entire officiating staff is women. A increasingly male audience is going to be increasingly harsher to women referees This is going to play some sort of factor in the response. Not the, oh, they're only bad because they're women. It's the degrees to which the response comes in. If there's bad officiating in a men's semifinal game, people are going to complain about it the same way they've complained about NFL referees for every broadcast in the last 20 years or every men's championship game has had refereeing problems or whatever it is. Because this is the first time you're seeing women's Final Four in an all-female officiating staff, there's going to be a more intense reaction to the officiating because to degrees misogyny is playing a factor in there. I presume that's the case. There's no data to point it out. I just know men can be terrible, and there's a lot of men coming to sports for the first time. I saw Dave Portnoy and Keith Oblerman were stepping in it because they were talking about the disrespect. Of, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this. Of Angel Reese calling Caitlin Clark a hoe, and then hitting the John Cena celebration that Caitlin Clark hits all the time, <laughs> like Keith Oblerman and Dave Portnoy, people who I don't presume to be women's basketball fans until at least two years ago, if not, this is the first time they've watched a women's basketball game during. The championship rounds, <laughs> Dave Portnoy and Keith Oblerman talking about the disrespect of of Reese calling Caitlin Clark a hoe is awesome and hilarious. And d- yeah, call d- disrespect people more and more. If that's disrespect, I want more disrespect. Please be anarchists and please be fun because you have personalities that are willing to talk shit to each other on the court. And Caitlin Clark's willing to be absolutely badass with playing off-ball defense on South Carolina and untucking jerseys after beating South Carolina for their first loss in over a year and hitting the John Cena celebration when she pulls up from half court. Yeah, yeah, we need more disrespect in that sport. We need more disrespect in any sports. Please continue to be disrespectful. People tuning in, men are awful, there are probably going to be some misogynistic tendencies that come out of this, not just from assholes like Dave Portnoy and Keith Oblerman, but also, just in general, the reaction. There's a lot of people who I see the gut reaction to poor officiating is to degrees enhanced because of the misogyny around all of it, and here we are. That's the championship game. It was awesome, I mean it was a hundred points from LSU. As much as I was hating it when they hit it, I just literally in the first half kept screaming, Are you kidding me? Like just every three pointer, one after the other after the other, just raining for South Carolina or for LSU. And like I said, the after hitting two three pointers in the entire first round, Jasmine Carson hit five in the first half of that game. LSU wins the championship. Playing only eight players the entire game, I was kind of surprised by that. Just I know that these rosters get smaller and none of these teams are really deep in in college basketball, or at least for men's college basketball is what I can speak to. So LSU winning at the end of all of that, going eight deep to win the championship while Iowa got into foul trouble. Caitlin Clark only had 30 points. I know it's wild to say only 30 because there's no precedent for Caitlin Clark doing what she did they showed during the broadcast she broke the record for most points in a tournament run and she did it like in the second quarter of the championship game she still scored like 18 more points after breaking Cheryl Swoops' record for most points in a tournament run we talked earlier about some of the unprecedented stats around Caitlin Clark and Caitlin Clark's going to be back next year might be back for a second year after that it's gonna be. Interesting to see whether she stays at Iowa, how Iowa comes back to this point, whether they're a number one seed next year. It'll be interesting to watch that all play out, and uh, that is how the women's Final Four ended up breaking down this year, with Kim fucking Mulkey holding up the championship, unfortunately. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We got episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as wired up on Sundays. You can enjoy me being a nervous wreck during the afternoon if you tune into Sacktown Sports YouTube channel. I'm producing the afternoon show. You can see me and Joe Camo doing our uh, mock draft Monday tomorrow. You might get to see me celebrate San Diego State winning the championship or... More likely, you'll get to see no real reaction out of me because San Diego State's going to lose to a UConn team that everyone is saying is clearly better than them, and San Diego State has a chance of winning. I know I said earlier that San Diego State's the biggest underdog in 25 years. It's only 24 years. 1999 was the last time a team was more than an 8-point dog going into the championship game. Fun fact, that team that was an underdog was UConn, and UConn ended up winning the championship game, but UConn was the underdog. They were nine-point dogs. San Diego State's going to be an eight-point dog against UConn, and we like being underdogs. We like being doubted. This is the first time, well, really the second time since 1961, San Diego is going to have a championship-clinching game. So we'll see what happens in that game and uh, we'll react to it tomorrow. In the meantime, take it easy, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.